We pray to God. Father, we thank you for this evening we get in your name. We thank you, God, now for your word, the word of everlasting life. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you will speak to us from your word. We thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit, who inspired the written word, is now right here in our midst. We pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will take the word he inspired and now speak to us. Cause us, Lord God, to hear, to understand, and then, Lord God, to obey. For we ask this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. But church, what a great joy it is to be here this evening to worship God with you, to uh, confirm uh, the candidates, and uh, to now bring you the word of God. Now, let me say this way, uh, let me put it this way. I've got a word for those who are being confirmed today. So the sermon is specially for you. Now the rest of the church, you may eavesdrop. Where does this passage, uh, where do we get the text for the reading? Well, it comes from the lectionary, right? The lectionary is a set of readings that we use in the church. And actually it's a lectionary reading for tomorrow, right? But because uh, I have a confirmation service tomorrow, and of course a confirmation service today, uh, you ate tomorrow's bread, right? It's the same sermon, but the reading is uh, for tomorrow. It's, uh, it's in the lectionary reading, right? And so usually you take a lectionary reading and you ask, you pray and ask God to bring some word uh, for the church as we gather. And the title of what I am going to share with you this evening is Render to Caesar, right? Render to Caesar. And of course, you know roughly where this comes from, right? right. It comes from uh, the reading, the gospel reading. Now, in Matthew chapter 22, we are now right at the face of, it's a record of the last week of Jesus' life. Now, the ministry of Jesus took place around largely around the uh, Galilee region and then he goes to Jerusalem every so often and this is the final week of his life right? he had gone into Jerusalem for the uh, big celebration the Passover celebration and he had done what is called what, 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 is, what we refer to as the cleansing of the temple right? and uh, now this doesn't mean that he took things he, he, he went to sweep the temple to keep it uh, clean Basically, the cleansing of the temple was an incident, and if you read the text in the Matthew chapter 21, I think, 2021, uh, Jesus basically went to the temple and chased out people who were in the temple. Uh, they were using the temple to sell things, right? And Jesus said, you know, my, my father's house, do you not know that my father's house is a house of prayer for all nations. But you basically make it into a den of crooks. Chase them out. And of course, when he, when he cleansed the temple, the temple leadership was not happy with him, right? 
and also there were other religious leaders who were not happy with him. So it was a tense time. It was a tense time. And then in Matthew chapter 22, the text which we, which we read, uh, we had a group of people who came to Jesus. And the text says uh, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 15, it says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted on how to entangle, in, entangle him in his talk. Right? And then they send their in our singapore lingo we say they send their kakia they send their disciples they send the not so important people to go and talk to this guy jesus in order to well to entrap him right and then scripture tells us that actually there were two groups of people who were there right uh, they were people uh, who were the pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day Right? And they were not too happy with Jesus because Jesus uh, was not fooling, following their norm. Right? Then there was another group of people called the Herodians. Now, who are the Herodians? Now, the Herodians basically are, polit are politicians. They are people who support Herod. Right? They are people, you, know, you know, the uh, Israel at the point of time was ruled by the Romans. And basically, the Romans appoint people uh, to govern the place for them. Herod was one of the people appointed by the Romans, right? And of course, when you are in a political system, you need to have supporters. Now, the Herodians were political supporters of Herod, right? And so, these people were basically united only to do one thing. And that is, they want to catch Jesus of God so that they could prosecute him and so they came to Jesus and asked him a loaded question before they asked him the loaded question they basically did what bad people always do and they, they, they tried to butter him up oh you know Jesus we know you are a good teacher you're, you're not afraid of anybody you always tell the truth right you always tell the truth and uh, you don't care about what, you're not swayed by popular opinion. Now, please tell us, help us to understand this, right? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? Is it right to pay taxes to a political system that is not ours because they are Jewish people? Caesar, of course, is Roman, that have dominated over our country. Is it right for us to pay taxes to this foreign government that has imposed itself upon us? You know, of course, they were hoping for Jesus to give an answer. Right? Now, by the way, Jesus had clear political opinion, although he doesn't express his opinions uh, in criticism of anybody, but Jesus certainly... Uh, had political opinions. For example, he one time referred to Herod, he said that fox, right? And uh, he basically just, he was, he didn't have a high view of Herod, right? Herod wasn't the best uh, man, right? In fact, Herod, he wrote his scripture, Herod had lived a very, uh, not a very good life, right? So, how do you answer this question? 
So they were hoping that he, he says to them, uh, I think it is not necessary to pay taxes to people who dominate over you. Maybe, right? And if he said that, the Herodians, the Herodians would say, okay, this time we got him, right? This time we got him, we will complain, and we will give him trouble. Or if he says, actually, yeah, you should just pay. After all, we live under the, we live under the Romans, right? But the average Jewish person in those days didn't want to be under Roman rule, right? So you see this, we, you, right? If you, if you answer towards the right, well, not so accepted. On the left, also not accepted, right? And so Jesus, being the master teacher, well, asked for a very simple thing. Hey, guys, give me a, give me a coin. Show me a coin, right? And of course, coin... Roman coin, right? And Roman coin always have the picture of Caesar, right? Whose inscription is this? Caesar. Well, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Got himself out of the hook, so to speak. But that was not what Jesus was interested in doing. Because Jesus is a master teacher. He took the opportunity to teach the people a truth so important, even in the context of a group of people who tried to entrap him. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. What is to... So basically, Jesus shifted the whole thinking or the whole... He shifted the whole uh, conversation, right? From just, tell us, is it right for us to do this or to do that, right? He shifted it, give them a simple answer, yes, render to Caesar. But that's not important. What is important? Render to God the things that are God's. Render to God the things that are God's. Now, what is sin? What is sin? Very often, people think of sin as doing wrong things, doing bad things. Right? You steal, it is sin. Now, it's true. Stealing is sin. Right? To dishonor your father and mother is sin because the Ten Commandments says, honor your father and your mother. Right? To sleep with somebody, to sleep with a person who is not your wife or your husband is sin because that's what Scripture says very clearly. You shall not commit adultery. Right? But all these expressions of sin basically has one root. And the root is that we don't render to God the things that are God's. We live our life the way we want it. To render to God the things that are God's as a way of life, right? It's the most important transformation and blessing that can happen to anyone. What is Christianity? Christianity 
essentially is a call for human beings to live under the kingship of God. That's why whenever the scripture speaks about the gospel, it is often, it's always the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom of God. The reason why is the good news is very simple. When all human beings, because of sin, our destiny is hell. Not very popular to talk like this in today's world, but this is the reality. Every human being will end up in hell because we have rejected the ways of God. Jesus came to restore us back to God, and the way He restores us back to God is to establish, is to open the gates of the kingdom of God to us. When He died upon the cross, He basically invites us, right? Come to the Father through this gate, the narrow gate, so to speak. Render to God the things that are God's. First Thessalonians, chapter the the introduction uh, of uh, of of First Thessalonians may be seen. Okay, now the Bible may be read in many ways, and in this particular way, we can look at it from what I call the render to God angle. Now let me explain to you uh, Thessalonians. Now First Thessalonians, of course, the Second Thessalonians, right? And basically. They are letters written to a church, right, in Thessalonica. Thessalonica was one of the churches that Paul planted. In fact, one of the earliest churches, in fact, the earliest, earliest church that Paul planted is the church of Philippi, right? Philippians, you look through the book of Acts, you realize that, church in Philippi. Then he went, later on, he went to Thessalonica, planted a church there, right? Planted a church as in proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, people believe, he put them together, teach them, appoint leaders, right? And that's a church, okay? Church is not a place of worship. Church is a community of believers, okay? I teach people like this, huh? We all are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Disciples of Jesus, just in case you don't know, Okay, you are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We are called to follow him. What's the plural of disciple? Okay? And if we use English, now Chinese don't have, huh? but if we use English, don't just put an S behind. Disciple, disciples. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Okay, one disciple by himself. The plural of disciple is church. Because Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Right? So you can have a church, two or three people, or ten people, or a hundred people, a community of believers. Right? Church. And here, this church, Paul was writing a letter to the church in Thessalonica. Right? Church which is planted, and uh, most church... Uh, most Bible uh, scholars believe that this is one of the earliest letters that he wrote. 
right, to the church in Thessalonica, basically to encourage them in the faith, right? And uh, the, in, in the introduction, Paul says four things, which I'm going to unpack for you. Number one, he tells them, he said, you know, your guys, your, you know, you, the fact that you are now followers of Jesus, didn't happen because one day you woke up and say, yes, I want, I want to be godly. Doesn't happen the way. It happened because of God's desire, God's wish, and God chose you. Now, for each and every one of you here in this worship sanctuary, okay, remember this very important truth. You have been chosen by God. God chose us, right? God chose us for a very special purpose, that we may be reconciled to Him. You look at the text uh, in verse 4, right? Verse 4, verse 5, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He chose you. He chose you. God chose them, God chose us, right? Chose you, God's initiative. The reason why you and I have in quote, become, we use the term become Christians, right? And sometimes I don't like to use the word become Christians because the word Christian sometimes doesn't mean too much. I remember when I first came to faith, and this, this will be about 55 years, 55 years ago now, right? Uh, I, was, I, was, I was a student in school when I first came to faith, 55 years ago, time flies, right? And when I went home, I told my family members, I am now a Christian. I tell you, hell broke loose. Why? Why you want to follow the Angmor well, he, or the or the Hokkien expert, expletives uh, about why you why you want to be follow the Westerners? Right? So sometimes when people talk about, talk about Christianity, they think, oh, it's a Western religion. No, 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 no. Right? So now I tell people, I am a messianic Chinese. Right? Because I have known a person who is called the Messiah. I'm a Messianic Chinese, right? Some of you here are Messianic Indians. Messianic Malays, why not? Messianic Jews, by the way, many. Right? Messianic. We have come to know the Messiah. Who decided that we become Messianic? God. God chose us. So very important for you to remember this. And those of you who have been confirmed, remember this, God chose you. God chose you, right? And then this journey, uh, when we are chosen, how do we respond, right? So Paul here says uh, to the Thessalonian, or the, the Thessalonian Christians, he says, and you, right, after God chose you, right, and you became imitators of us, and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Right? God invites. We respond. And how do we respond? We respond by following Jesus. Right? By following Jesus. Very important. We are followers of Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, look, I come to bring you to the Father. 
right? How do we know God? We only know God through Jesus Christ and of course through His Word. Now talking about His Word, let me pause and say this, okay? I know and this I, I noticed only in the last 10 years. And that is, people go to church, they don't bring Bibles anymore. Now, let me say this to you. Okay, let me say this to you. One of the developments of the 21st century is a device we give the wrong name. It's there. We call it smartphone. Actually, it makes us not so smart. I prove to you the point. Okay, I, I prove to you the point. I used to remember a lot of telephone numbers. A lot of telephone numbers because I work with a lot of people and I need to call them or I need my secretary to call them. And sometimes my secretary cannot remember all the numbers, but I remember most of the numbers. I will tell, I will tell her, this is the number, ta 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 call, right? I remember numbers. Now, there's only one telephone number I remember, one. Not even my son's telephone. I only remember my wife's telephone number. Let me ask you, is it not true that most of us don't remember much things? Why? Because we think, oh, we can get back to the system. We can just go and look at the thing. Yeah, we can search for it. But if the Word of God, okay, and now I move to the Word of God. If the Word of God is not put into our system, we've got a problem. We think we know the Bible, actually we don't. So I always tell people, I always encourage Christians to do this. Number one, okay, it's all, it is okay to have Bibles that are found in the Bible. I mean, it, it, it's, it's okay to have soft version of the Bible, right? Digital, uh, digitalized Bible, it's okay, right? But you need to have a Bible which you study from, which you study from. And usually the Bible you study from, okay, I find in my experience, is also the Bible that I want to bring to church. Why? Because I want to hear the preaching. And if something resonates, I want to maybe put something in my Bible, right? I want to encourage you, to me, as part of your Christian walk, to study the Bible, to mark the Bible, right? Now, I know some people have an aversion towards marking the Bible, okay? I give you one uh, way, or let me, let me tell you a story, right? Uh, to help you understand why I think it's good to mark the Bible. I have four grandsons, and uh, my eldest grandson, when he was about five years old, I remember he was very young, came and stay over one, one night, uh, came, came and stay, and, and they come stay over quite often. So one morning, this grandson, he was five years old, told me, Grandpa, you really love Jesus, right? I said, yeah, you know, I, I really love Jesus. He said, how do you know? He said, I went to read your Bible. He said, your Bible is full of writings and markings. Your Bible is full of writing and marking, it's true, okay? You will take my Bible, I can preach on the Bible because I've got plenty of notes written here. I grew up learning this. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, 
I don't have to, I don't have to say anything. Right? Important for you to have a copy of the Bible that you study, that you mark, that you carry along. More important than your handphone. You, if when you go to church, you miss the handphone, it's okay. But please bring your Bible. I know in today's age, you can miss everything, but you cannot, bring to, but you cannot miss your smartphone. You must bring it with you. You go back and look for it. I'm trying to help you to do a mindset change. Right? They responded by becoming, becoming imitators of us. Right? Paul here used the word us and the Lord. How do we imitate God? How do we imitate the earth here that Paul speaks about? Holy word. Right? Move on. These Thessalonian, these Thessalonian Christians, right, grew in their faith was exemplary, right? They were not just people who, in quote, go to church and do nothing. They were, their Christian life was active, right? You look at the text from, from verse uh, 7 to 9. Let me just read that and uh, we, we will see, see the picture. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and so on and so forth. Right? How you turn from idols to the true and living God. Right? Their faith uh, is expressed in a Christianity that impacts others. Right? If our Christianity doesn't impact others, uh, we, we need to uh, tweak it. Right? And finally, their faith had a clear eschatological dimension. Now, it's a big word here. Eschatology means the study of the last things. Eschatological means the end times. Right? Look at the text here. It says about these uh, Thessalonian Christians, is, and in verse 10, let me just read verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Christianity or messianic faith, if it is genuine, has this eschatological dimension or this dimension of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Right? Now, I, am, uh, I won't unpack this uh, too much for you except to say this. The reason why Christians expect a return of Jesus Christ. It's simply because Jesus says so. Jesus says, look, I will come again for you. Christianity is not about someone who died for us, who went to heaven, and then that's it. He says, I will come again. Right? Jesus will come again. And when he comes again, he comes not as a baby born in a manger. He comes as a God who judges. Render to God equal, let God be God. The sin of humanity, bottom line, is the refusal to let God 
be God. Let me move on. And it's a question which obviously must come out from a text. Right? Am I rendering to God? Arising from the text in First Thessalonians 1, 1 to 10, right? The questions I basically take the text, the teaching, convert into question and ask these questions, right? Am I aware of the fact that God chose me? I didn't become a follower, I did not become messianic because I I have I happened to be born into a Christian family. Yes, being born in, into a Christian family helps. But God chose us. Is my faith in Jesus causing me to be more and more like him? Am I being transformed, right, into his likeness? Is my faith growing? And it is evidenced by service. The text in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, For they themselves report, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Christianity, true faith, true messianic faith is always expressed in serving God, right? In fact, the word serve, you know, in the, in, in the, in the New Testament, the word serve has got, there are several words that are translated as serve. The word over here is the word duleo, which means you serve like a slave. You serve, you serve because you have no will. Your will belongs to the master, right? You serve. And then, am I focused on the second coming of Christ? The total summary of the question of am I rendering to God, maybe put this way. If I look at my life now, if I and it's a good habit for all of us to have a time of quietness before God every day, right? Now, I know 21st century human beings, we've got no time for everything. We've got no time even to rest because we work, 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 work until midnight, then we all can sleep, right? But very important for us to have time of quietness. Quietness as we read the Word of God. Quietness as we end the day, spend before God. And in this quietness, allow God to search our hearts and for us to reflect upon the question, am I rendering to God the things that are God's? The other way of asking the question is this, what is it that I'm owing to God? What is it that I'm owing to God?
I told Joe, he asked me, do you have a song that you want to you want to sing at the end of the service? I said, I, I have a very old song. And I told him, maybe I'll sing that song, but of course I'm joking. Because if I sing the song, none of you will like me. But I'm going to recite this old song and help us process this. This is a very old song. Do you ever search your heart as you watch the day depart? It's a reflective life. A life, no, a life that is non-reflective is a life that is in a mess. Do you ever search your heart as you watch the day depart? Is there something way down deep you try to hide? If this day should be the end, and eternity began. When the book is opened wide, would the Lord be satisfied? Is he satisfied? Is he satisfied? Is he satisfied with me? Have I done my best? Have I stood the test? Is he satisfied with me? Stanza 2. When my Lord shall come again when he walks and talks with men. What if every friend he had were just like me? Would he feel a welcome here or would he go away in tears? Am I all that I should be? Is he satisfied with me? Then the last answer, feeble is the lamb of fame by which man inscribes his name on the walls of time for other men to see. Though he boasts of wealth and power, none can save him in that hour. When the angel hear his plea, is he satisfied with me? I find this song highly meaningful. Except I got one problem, except I have one problem with this song. I bring you back to the middle stanza. What if every friend he had were just like me? Would he feel a welcome here or would he go away in tears? Friends, when Jesus Christ comes back, he comes back as the judge of all humanity he will not go away in tears but many people will end up in tears this is the reality of what jesus says i come that you may have life and have it abundantly and the same person who said this also said to us, Come to me, all you who are trivial and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the same person also said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only who does the, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
What is Christianity all about? What is Messianic? What is Messianicism all about? So to speak, it is about following Jesus Christ all the way. And so, on this day, as you guys have been confirmed, I want to encourage you to reflect upon our lives, your lives, right? That the day will come when each and every one of us will stand before Jesus, right? And then there will be no more opportunity for us to render to God the things that are God. The time to render to God the things that are God is now, right now. Search your heart. Are there things that you know that you owe God? Can I give some examples? Some examples in closing. If, okay, if you are living in anger, unforgiveness towards somebody, you owe it to God to render to God the things that are God's. Because God says, forgive. If you are living in a relationship that you know you should not enter into, I don't have to explain further. No need to, no need to elaborate. Right? If you know there is something deep in your heart, as you reflect, as you pause before God, you reflect, and God says, Son, this I call you to do. And you have been saying for a long time, God, it's not I cannot do. Okay. Good for you to say to God, God, I render to you what belongs to you. I give you a personal testimony in closing. After I came to faith, I grew in the days where Singapore was a little bit of a turmoil, <laughs> right? So we had to quickly start army. I was one of the earliest best to join the army. I happened to like army life, because outdoor life, oh, can man, very good. So I served for, I signed on as a regular army officer. So in fact, I was on pensionable service. I told, ah, yeah, sweet, yeah, you know, until the day I retire, I chop paying a very interesting man, right? In my 30s, God spoke to me in a very strange way. Son, I want you to leave the SAF, go to Bible school, and to serve as pastor. Of course, I got to talk to my wife. This is a thing you cannot just say, yeah, God, I go, right? I talked to my wife. She struggled. I struggled. That's what Christian life is all about. Nothing just goes, everything's a struggle. And whatever you owe to God, you know. So, in the, so I want to encourage you this evening, okay? This evening, before you sleep, take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, quietness, okay? Switch off everything, kill your smartphone, okay? Spend time before God, and then ask God, God, is there anything that I need to render to you? And then allow him to, and then allow him to speak to you.
And that will be, for some of you, the beginning of an amazing Christian walk with God. For many of us over here, a continuation of what it is to follow Jesus, our Messiah. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, that your word is the word of everlasting life. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you engrave your word upon our hearts. Cause us, Lord God, each one of us, every one of us, Lord God, in this sanctuary to be men and women who know what it is to render unto God the things that are God's. Thank you, Father, for your holy word, the word of everlasting life. And it is in Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.